five, four, three, two, one. Bible study time. Today is verse of today. Today is verses of today. Scripture verses for today. Hello, this is Joseph Brownlee, your host for Connecting the Dots. Connecting the Dots. Ganaturo los puntos. Ganaturo los puntos. Español for my Spanish listeners. Welcome to today's show. I'm going to do a quick Bible reading from 1 Timothy 6. And I'm going to start. I'm going to go through 1 Timothy 6. And I'm going to go all the way through verse 12. Okay. And then I'm going to explain why did I read this. Because this is going to be pretty uh, reverent and important for the man and woman of God. So we can be well prepared of what's going on today. Because there's so much going on today in our lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening to my podcast. So without any further ado, this is going to be somewhat of a quick study. Not an all-around deep study, but a quick study and a, uh, a quick interpretation of these verses that's going to be applied to us, the church today, men and women of God in the body of Christ. So, without further ado, let me just read the verse. First Timothy, verse, First Timothy, chapter six, one through twelve. Reading: Let as many servants are as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blaspheme. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Verse 4. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, eating, evil submissions. Verse 5. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Now, keep your mind focused on that word gain in verse 5 of chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. Gain is godliness from such, such withdraw thyself. Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Keep your mind focused on content as well. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, famous verse, one of the most quoted verses when it comes to the love of money. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. O, o thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, 
whereunto you are also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Many, many witnesses. Okay, that was a reading out of 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 12. 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 12. Now, this is Paul. This is the letter of the Apostle Paul, which wrote 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Now, what's important for us, you and I, and all believers to understand? First, who is talking here? The who is Paul? Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to Timothy. Now, we have to understand these are one of Paul's prison letters when he was incarcerated, as we call today. This is one of Paul's prison letters. So when he wrote the book of Timothy, first and second Timothy, he was incarcerated. He was in prison. So the who is Paul talking, but where Paul is talking from is prison. And who he's talking to is Timothy. Timothy is one of Paul's protégés. We use that term today, one of Paul's protégés. In other words, the old school way of saying, or back then, like in the four gospels, they was mostly used when they followed Jesus as Jesus' disciples. Disciples mean a learned one. So a protégé is somewhat like a young disciple, someone has been taught. You know, that you got to have a teacher to be taught. To be a disciple, you have to have someone over you. Therefore, the protege means that he's a learned one. He was being taught. So the who is talking is Paul. Very important. Who, where he's talking from, he's talking, he's in prison. So it's more like a letter. To who? To Timothy. Okay. And he's trying to keep Timothy strong in the faith. He's trying to teach Timothy the right doctrine. He's also trying to teach Timothy, you know, what to watch out for, what to look out for. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because this is also relevant for us as the church today, the body of Christ. So we can also take spiritual lessons from what Paul is teaching Timothy. Now, is Paul talking to you? I and anyone of the body of Christ today personally? No, of course not, because this is thousands of years ago. He's talking personally to Timothy, but the principles that he's giving Timothy, remember this, the principles that he's teaching Timothy goes broad and it relates to the whole church, the body of Christ, because Timothy also must teach these things to others. You remember, because he's a he's a young man. He's not so much young in the faith, I don't believe. I believe in age, Timothy is pretty young. The Bible does not say how old Timothy is, but he's a, he's a pretty young man. Okay. So he has a lot of responsibilities. Paul, this is one of I think 2 Timothy is Paul's last book that was written, or the, the, the last book of the Bible, period, that was written, you know, and many people might disagree, everybody believes traditional, traditionally that Revelation is the last book of the Bible, but I believe 2 Timothy is the last anchor, it's the last book of the Bible, if it was chronologically, you know, written in 2 Timothy by the Apostle Paul, but that's debatable, okay, that's debatable. But anyway, uh, when you read this, remember what Paul, I, I told you to put emphasis on 
what two words? Contentment, and I think the other one is gain. Now, at this particular time, remember when Paul is teaching in his letters and he's talking to a certain individual, he's letting them know about the things that's going around. So evidently those things was reported to Paul that was happening around him. Him with some of the uh, the Jews that was around him. They was teaching false doctrine. They was, you know, you know, preaching certain religions and different type of teachings for money, for gain, and etc. and stuff like that, just like a lot of teachers and false ministers do today. So that's this is nothing new. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna read these verses over again. I'm gonna try to explain you know what's going on and then I'm going to give it a perspective for today for you and I today remember and I got this from Justin Johnson one of my Bible teachers Justin Johnson he made a point Paul when you when you read the Bible always remember you can't always put yourself there you can imagine yourself being there at that time when Paul was talking but I always remember who he was talking to. He was talking to Timothy. Timothy is a Gentile. Excuse me. Timothy is a Gentile. So he was basically talking to Timothy. We wasn't even in existence. But it's relevant for us today to follow that same type of, you know, instruction that Paul gave to Timothy. Even though he didn't personally say Joseph or personally say whoever, whatever like that, we know that we're supposed to follow the same type of instructions and sound doctrine that Paul gave to Timothy, correct? Okay, all right. So let's read the beginning. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters, worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed or show for respect. In other words, there was a lot of false teaching. That was also misdirected uh, scripture teaching, okay? Paul had different parchments and stuff like that because he reminded Timothy to make sure he had his parchments and stuff like that. But it was a lot of false and misguided Bible, in other words, scriptural, doctrinal teaching. That's why Paul put a lot of emphasis on wholesome words and sound doctrine, not only in First and Second Timothy, but also Titus, his younger Proteges, his younger converts, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Uh, some of the pistols called him Timotheus, but Timotheus and Timothy are the same person. So evidently, if you read both First and Second Timothy, you will have an idea of why Paul was teaching Timothy the certain way, and it has to do with rightly dividing sound doctrine, dividing God's word the correct way to stop the lot of confusion. Okay, basically, that was it. But here in 6, there had to be some type of uh, reason Paul was telling Timothy, watch out for gain, watch out for lusting for money. You know, don't get caught up in that, whatever. He wasn't saying that in in that particular way. I'm just talking in a layman way. So evidently, there was some issues with that, of gaining, you know, money, you know, for, you know, by using the gospel falsely, okay? Verse 2 says, and they that have believing masters. Now, what believing masters? That means masters. You had slaves and you had masters. 
Yes, there were slaves back then. You had slaves that had masters. We could look at it today if in a way as our bosses or whatever like that. But literally, he's talking about slaves and masters. Believe in the masters mean they were saved. They was part of the body of Christ. Okay? That's all it means. And they that have believed in masters, let them not despise them. See, he's telling T- uh, Timothy to teach this to his followers. Two new believers, two new converts, okay? So let's get that. Who Paul talking to? Who was talking? The Apostle Paul. He's talking from where? He's in prison. He's talking to whom? Who's the whom? The who he's talking to is Timothy, his protege. So he's telling Timothy something. He's teaching Timothy of how to construct, how to direct the people that's going to be following him because a lot of people kind of despised and disrespected Timothy's age too because he was young Paul also warned him in other areas in Timothy watch out for that because people will despise you because you are young so watch out for that don't let that happen stay in the word watch out for these things so alright and they that have believing masters let them not despise them or disrespect them because they that are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the ben- benefit. These things teach and exhort. Let me read that again. And they, who is they? The other believers that te- uh, Paul is telling Timothy to teach or tell that have believing masters, the believers that have masters, that means they were servants. Servants in the Bible means slave. Slave means servant. So the if they have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. Don't slack up, okay? Don't disrespect your master because you all are brethren. You all are part of the body of Christ. Give them the same respect as you will give Paul or Timothy. In other words, respect your leadership. In other words, that's what he's telling Timothy to tell the followers because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort okay three if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words remember I was talking about wholesome words there was a lot of mixed and false teaching going on from a lot of the Judaizers that tried to convert you know, or confuse a lot of the teachings. There was all type of teaching going on about that, even back then. So that's what Paul said, if any man teach otherwise. Well, otherwise of what? Otherwise mean other than what I have taught you about the wholesome words, about sound doctrine. That's all this verse is saying. If any man teach you otherwise or teach you any type of other way and consent not to hold wholesome words, in other words, the sound doctrine, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and not to the doctrine which is according to godliness. All this is sound doctrine. Paul is letting Timothy know or reminding Timothy if any man is teaching any other way besides the way I have taught you. Okay. And what is the way that Paul taught Timothy? The words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. It's the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ that was taught to the Apostle Paul. That's called sound teaching. It's also called sound doctrine, okay? Verse 4. If he does not, now I'm adding this into, but it does not say this. Say this, the King James say, if he does not, he is proud, 
knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, or evil submissions or suspicions. In other words, if they are not into the sound doctrine, if they don't follow the sound doctrine that I told you to teach the other brethren, the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ for the uh, gospel of the grace of God. What was Paul's doctrine? The gospel of the grace of God, the resurrection, the cross, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have, we must understand that saints. That was the sound. That that is the sound doctrine and the sound teaching Paul is talking about. Now he's not talking about the four gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's not even talking about from the past scriptures. He's talking about the grace teaching and the sound doctrine that the Lord revealed to him. Paul. That's the sound doctrine that Paul related to Timothy. So that's the doctrine that Paul is telling Timothy to teach his followers and the other brethren. Not only the servants, the young servants, but the masters as well. He's talking to believers. So remember, this book is for the saved, not the unsaved. Let me say that again. This book, 1 Timothy and all the, the regular epistles of Paul is for the saved, not the unsaved. It's for believers only. So always remember that as well. He's talking to believers. You know, so he is proud. No, if they don't, if they have a different, they have some type of issue with the doctrine that I teach or what you are teaching. That's all. This is saying that he is proud. He knows nothing. Doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil submissions, or suspicions, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Supposing now, this is why I wanted to talk about. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such such withdraw thyself. So the Bible, especially King James, interprets itself. Now, Paul is telling Timothy to teach sound doctrine, correct? And we understand what is the sound doctrine. It's all the teachings of the Apostle Paul about the resurrection of the, the uh, resurrection of life, the grace of God, and all that, the cross, and different things like that. The, tr- the gospel of the grace of God is sound doctrine. The teachings of Paul, the gospel of the grace of God, not no other books, but the gospel of the grace of God that was revealed to him in the mystery, those are sound doctrine for us today. He's telling Timothy. So evidently, go down when it says, uh, but godliness with contentment is great gain. It was an issue. I believe it was an issue where they was trying to distribute, or in other words, pimp God's word. The vernacular I used today, pimp God's word for money. In other words, does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. You have a lot of uh, prosperity teachers that pimp God's word. They would not say that doing that, but they like they pimp God's word for what? For money. That's what the prosperity message is today. You had that type of type of prosperity message going on then. Not the same message word by word, but they was trying to, to pimp God's word or use God's word, in other words, for money. Okay? So therefore they was destitute of the truth. They were supposing, remember in the King James, it says right here, they was into perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. What was the first thing that was wrong with them? They had corrupt minds. Okay? 
What was another thing? And they was destitute of the truth. What was they destitute of the truth? They didn't know the full truth. They didn't understand the full truth. They didn't want to hear the full, full truth. And what was that destitute of the truth? What was it? They were supposing that gain is godliness. And that was the third problem. With all that perverse, destitute, and gain. They had an issue. These people or these so-called ministers, supposed to be men of God, was teaching that the way to prove that you are walking with God, the way that you approve that, you know, the way to prove that you're doing the things that God wants you to do is how much money you make or how much gain of money or today will be what you drive, how big is your church, how your clothing look, what type of clothing you wear, whatever like that. That's the vernacular that it would be used today if Paul was talking to the church today, if Jesus talked to the church today, that's supposing that game is godliness, it's the same what goes on in the modern day prosperity teaching. What is their motto in prosperity teaching? What is their motto? That, that money, that things, that material gain is proof that you're walking with God, is proof that you're holy, is proof that you are saved. That's most, a lot of the, most of the message that goes on and, and taught in the prosperity message. So you had that back then, okay? Let me continue. But Paul tells Timothy, remember this, verse 6 in chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, what's the one of the proofs of godliness? It's whatever you have now. Whatever you, whether you're poor, whether you're rich. Now, it's nothing wrong with being rich. And I'm going to get further in there and I'm going to explain that why. Whether you're poor or whether you're in the middle class or whether you're rich, you should be content wherever you are. So this is not saying that it's wrong to be rich or super rich. It's not saying that. It's also not saying that it's right to be poor. You understand what I'm saying? It's not saying it's wrong to be rich and it's not saying it's right to be poor. But what it is saying, whatever situation or whatever financial situation that you are in at that particular time, be content, be satisfied because your spiritual growth, your future blessings is more important than what you have in your pockets now. That's for today. So evidently he's explaining that now this is my breakdown of that. In other words, be satisfied whatever you got. All right? That brings great gain. See, whether you are wealthy, whether you are well off, or whether you are poor, be content. That's hard for a lot of people to swallow, but that's the walk in spiritual, that's the spiritual godliness that God is looking for. Let's go to seven. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. In other words, he's letting you know, because this is pertaining when we are gone. Whatever we got now or don't have now, we're not taking it with us. If you got a lot, it's not going with you. If you have nothing, you go gain something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, let me say that again. If you 
get caught away today or you die and you're going to be, you know, to live is die, to live is Christ and to die is gain for the body of Christ. Whatever you brought into this world when you left this life, if you are wealthy, oh, you don't have to be wealthy. Whatever you have, you're not going to take it with you. Now, speaking of the church, that's the catching away of the church or that's you just passed away before the catching away of the church. Okay. All right. So when he says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So whatever we got is not going with us. All this worldly stuff is going to be left behind, whether you're rich or poor. But the reason I said, even if you are poor, when you get caught up and you go into the heavenly places, you're going to gain riches. You're going to gain more in the heavenly places. That's why I put it that way. But he's talking about going out. When you are going out, you die. That's what he means right there. He's talking about just walking away from something. He's talking about when we leave this life in the body of Christ, the church today, we are not carrying nothing with us. Plain and simple. Okay, verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. In other words, long as we have some food and long as we have some clothing, let us be there. Here comes the word again, content. Let us be satisfied with that. Now, what it's not saying is stay as you are. In other words, if you don't have nothing, yeah, of course you try to work, you try to better yourself. But the, what we have to focus on is being content. We have to look at this in a spiritual aspect, church. We have to be content in whatever condition that we are. That does not mean that we stay put and don't try to get financial gain. I'll say, okay. That does not mean we go around knocking nobody else because they have financial gain. Because there's nothing wrong with being rich. And I'm going to tell you why on a specific word, okay, when I go a little further in this verse. So having food and raiment or having food, as long as we got something to eat, as long as we got some type of clothing, let us be content. God will take care of everything else, okay? Verse 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare. Now, that's the King James way of saying, but they that will be rich. The best way to say it in a layman term is they that seek after riches, now, they that seek after riches fall into temptation and a snare. Now, remember I said there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. But into context, let's put this in context. Evidently, there, there, there were certain ones that were seeking out the riches for the wrong reason. So you have to learn how to read in the context. But they that will be rich, that's the King James. I like to just say... Uh, they that seek out the riches fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Why? Now first of all why do they fall in this this type of trap? Why was these men uh, capable falling into this type of trap or even why women fall into this uh, type of trap? If you just stay, if you just uh, stick to, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, you would think Paul is saying it's wrong to be rich. All rich people fall into temptation and a snare. That's why it's important to read the word of God in context. So let the Bible explain itself. Why does it say that? Say that. Keep going and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's a hard thing if you just read verse 9. 
like some people probably do and, and don't go to 10. They keep these separate, but you must read these together. Verse 9 is saying, the rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish hurtful lusts. Verse 10 explains why verse 9 says that. Do you follow what I'm saying? This is the explanation of why the rich seeking out the riches fall into these problems. Temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. This is why. This is the answer. Verse 10 is for the love of money. It's because of the love of money. Not money. A lot of us used to use this verse and don't read the whole context of verse 6. We have to read context. That's why I'm trying to explain it and I'm going to bring it home today. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted or lusted after of, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You see how 9 and 10 goes together. And you see why I started from the beginning in chapter 6 and I'm reading all the way through. Because we can get a hold to this verse in 6 and 10 of 1 Timothy. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted. But we don't even go that far sometimes. You hear a lot of people quote that quote that scripture, and I'm guilty of that myself in the past. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That needs to be explained. How would it get explained? How would you know what the Bible is really talking about if you don't read the verses ahead? I'm trying to teach you all that's young of the faith how to read the Bible in context. Okay? As long as you have food, as long as you have raiment, which is clothing, be content. Word content. Be satisfied what you get. But they, emphasis on they, not everybody, but they. So a certain ones that was in the above verses, pimping the gospel like I use, using the word of God wrongfully for money, for gain. That's why Paul had to break this down. Evidently, it's been reported to him that this was happening or was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. The Bible does not say it, but evidently, this was reported to him. Let me get through this. As long as you got food and raiment in the body of Christ, be content with that. That does not mean you stay where you are. That means keep trying to work and keep trying to do what you can because nothing miraculous is, is not going to happen. We still must work, but just be content. Now, what we don't want to fall into is the love of money. We can be, you can, it's okay to seek to be wealthy. Okay, let me say that again. It's okay to seek to be wealthy. But never fall in love with the money. Don't let that take uh, uh, prudence over your life because if you do you will fall in these type of snares temptations and snares and foolish and hurtful lust which leads men and women to destruction and perdition the love of money is the root of all evil not money but the love of money is the root of all evil which while some not all coveted after they lusted after in other words these ones Paul was talking about loved money they lusted after money so they're on their way to destruction because of their lust and love for money 
They have erred from the faith. They have erred from the faith. What faith? The sound doctrine where early hours teaching what Paul told Timothy to teach. Wholesome, sound words, sound doctrine. I'm trying to say this slowly so you can get an understanding. They have erred from the correct way of teaching the scriptures. And therefore, they pierced themselves with many sorrows. In other words, many griefs. They are struggling. They are hurting spiritually and maybe physically as well. Because their motive for gain was misscrewed. It was misconstructed. It was wrong. In other words. So that's the context of this message of uh, 1 Timothy and 6. Now someone else can probably go further and know the full history. But I'm just giving you my definition. And I'm trying to do the best I can and keep it in context. In my own definition. You understand what I'm saying? Let me continue. But thou, old man of God, who's the old man of God, Timothy, flee these things. What things to flee? The above what I was talking about. Don't do those things. Don't fall in with the love of money. Don't don't seek after rich for riches for the wrong or wrong reason or motive. So be thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Those are the fruits of the spirits. Twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Keep your focus on eternal life. See, set your mind with Book of Colossians. I think 3 and 2 says, set your mind. It says your affections, but the translation is, I like better, set your mind. Or set your thoughts or set your hopes on things above in the heavenly places. So he's telling Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to eternal life. Keep on eternal life. Keep your mind focused on eternal life. The future glory that we that we shall get in the future in the heavenly places. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. You was called to do this. You was called to do this before many witnesses, in other words. Okay. Now, you, I hope you have a, a, a brief understanding of that. Now, why did I go there? I'm going to bring it home today. Now, a lot of this has been going on for many years. But it, it depends on the era of the person. Now, this same warning is for the body of Christ, the church. Men and women of God, the body of Christ. The same warning that Paul have gave to Timothy personally is for the church today. We need to follow those same instructions. Watch out. Now we need to understand and we need to get a breakdown. Money is not the problem, right? It's what? It's the love of money. We also should get a point out of this. Whatever situation or condition that we are in, we need to be content. See, we need to be content. Also remember verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. If you are wealthy, that wealth is not going with you. If you are poor with clothing, whatever you didn't have ain't going with you either, but you're going to gain even more. Even a wealthy person, if you are wealthy, is going to gain more spiritually in the heavenly places. We cannot even comprehend what's going to be like in the heavenly places or what positions we're going to have. So Paul was putting emphasis on spiritual things. 
blessings. He was putting an emphasis on the future blessings. That's not covet the things of this world. It's okay to try to work for things. It's okay to start a business. It's okay to be rich. It's okay to be a billionaire. But don't let that, don't fall in love with the riches. Don't find, don't fall in love with things because it will lead you into a snare, a snare of the devil. It will lead you into those things of suffering. If your motive as a believer, now I'm not talking about the world, but I'm get to that. I'm talking about as a believer. Remember who Paul is talking to? He's talking to a believer. Who is he telling Timothy to relate these messages to, uh, uh, pass these messages to other believers? No matter where you at. That's why he, he mentioned servants, he mentioned masters, he mentioned all. He's talking about all believers. We should not do this. The world will do what the world will do. But this message is for believers, not the unbelievers. Because the world do what the world do. See, the world do what the world do. But I want to hit this point, and then I'm going to leave it from there. Anybody, whether you are in the body of Christ or my sinuses, or you are of the world, the love of money still is universal, affects you the same way. Let me say that again. Whether you are in Christ, and you're seeking or you're lusting after riches, and you, or you're not saved, and you seeking and you lusting after riches. The return is the same for the saved and the unsaved. You might say, Joyce, a lot of rich billionaires out there seem like they're doing okay. Yes, yeah, seems like they're doing okay. It's a lot of billionaires out there, and a lot of them are suffering. They're not happy. They're not content. Why are you say they're not content? Because they still, you got billionaires still lusty for more power. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. Now I'm talking to an unsaved. Then I'm get to the saved. Never satisfied. Lusty for more. You got the Bill Gates. The Klaus, the Klaus Schwab. You got people, I don't know what is this income number. You got Elon Musk is Musk. You got the Jeff Bezos. I'm talking about, let's talk about the one of the two percent billionaire that's almost just about control everything and the world. The, the, the billionaires. They're never going to be satisfied because their love is money over God or over anything else. Their love of money. That's why their appetite never runs out. They're going to always have a lustful appetite for more gain. That's why you have a lot of issues going on today. That's why, that's why this, this building of the new world order, this WFEF, the World Economic Forum, by all these billionaires. There's nobody that's under a million, uh, under 500 million that can join the WEF for what I heard. Now, I think it's a minimum. I forgot what there was, a 500,000, something like that. But this guy I remember was talking, he, he got turned down because 
I don't know. He wasn't qualified. So it takes more than you having a lot of money to join the WEF. It takes other things as well. I, I call it just selling your soul to Satan to join the WEF. That's why Christian ain't got no business joining this globalist WEF. These are for the super wealthy, the super elite, they call them. The powers to be or the powers that want to be. What's their issue? Number one issue. The love of money. The love of power. The love of control. See, it brings all those things. But they that will be rich or them that lust to be rich or them that seek riches fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. They're going to fall. All dictators fall sooner or later. And what they all, what, what is it they all have in common? They had lots of money and they had power. It was mostly from other people's money, deception. Because they, they never got over it. They always search more, more, lust, 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 more, more, more for money and power. That lust for power. They was never satisfied. They started doing all kind of weird stuff, weird sacrifices and stuff like that. And sacrificing children, you know, and just a lot of weird perverted stuff as well. So watch out for that snare and the uh, lust for money. Now let's go to the, the Christian that falls into temptation temptation that's really a Christian you can see all these so-called Christians or ministers you know the Kenneth Copeland's the the Creflo's and the Jesse the Planets whatever like that they have a lust for money and they would not admit that they always just say it's, it's for the souls it's for the ministry but I don't believe that they, they got corrupted they did not start off that way because I used to listen to these guys I seen the change and Eddie Long, he's gone now. Hopefully he's in the heavenly places. And all these guys, you know, T.D. Jakes and all these guys didn't start off wealthy. They got exposed. They started getting on TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network. That's also went down itself, you know, uh, started by Jan and Paul Crouch, you know. And it was a lot of good teaching on there, no doubt. You know, you know, I, I, I you know, I like the Jan them. You know, they had their problems, but, you know, don't we all? Well, anyway, they fell into that love of money and power and prestige and name and a lot of them fall, failed a lot of them are falling today and they are spiritually also miserable a lot of them are uh, somewhat changing their minds repenting of their ways or trying to and I know it's not easy when you build the empire and to let it go it's not easy you know but my point is it's a universal return on your investment for the saved and the unsaved when it comes to the love of money. Okay? That's my point. That's why we should today seek after what? Oh man, oh thou man of God, flee these things, flee those things, flee that temptation, flee that lust, and follow after righteousness, God, and his faith, love, patience, and meekness. Those are the fruits that we're supposed to be seeking, you and I, that's in the body of Christ. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. This is not only for Timothy, even though he was talking to Timothy. That's the message that Timothy is supposed to send to the other brethren and sisters in Christ. So therefore, it's for our future as well for us today. Okay, I hope you got something out of this teaching. I've done the best way I can to try to break it down and try to bring it relevant for today. God bless you all. I love you all. This is Joseph Brownlee with the word of today. The verse of the day was 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 12. 1 Timothy, I advise you to read it yourself 6, 1 to 12. Now before I go, salvation. 
you still on the fence? You only know why you're on the fence. And a lot of times it's because you don't want to give up certain things. Or you feel you have to change and give up certain things right away. Whatever your reason is, and it starts with the enemy, things might be slowing you down. It could be wealth. It could be, you know, your job. It could be a relationship. It could be certain lifestyle that you're living that's keeping you from taking this wonderful, beautiful, free gift from God, of God. It's easy to be saved. But it's hard to believe how to be saved. Let me say that again. It's easy to be saved, but it's hard for a person to really believe to be saved. Remember, it's not your sins. And it's a saying that I have said, I have, I, and, I, and I say this a lot. I did not get saved for my sins to be forgiven. I'm saved because my sins were forgiven. Let me say this, say this again. And let me say this to you. You are not getting saved. You might think you need to get saved for your sins to be forgiven. No. But what if I tell you your sins, all your sins, even the ones you haven't committed yet, and you will, before you leave this earth, is already been forgiven. And Jesus took care of that on the cross. Okay? Now all you need to do is believe what he done on the cross. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, his death, burial, resurrection, and you will be saved. That's all you have to do. So the setback for you, whatever obstacle is slowing you down, is your unbelief. It's not your sins. It's your unbelief. Okay? Remember that. My time is running short. Believe what Jesus done on the cross. Believe that he died, that he was buried, and he rose again. If you believe that sincerely from your heart, not your head, listen closely, from your heart, not your head, you will be saved. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, that's the gospel of salvation today, the way to be saved. Believe that and you will be saved. God bless you all. Joseph Brownlee, connecting the dots. Love you all. Remember, I read out of 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 12. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Peace out.